We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The NBA is back. Where else can you get this type of drama? Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rivals. The battle of the lane is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history still in the making? Oh, my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Steven, great jump cut, 45 seconds. a whole burst to it, 20. Nice steps to tackle, runs left, 25 still on his feet, 46-yard goal by number 39. Running back, number 29, Eric Dickerson. Johnny Hecker, a high school quarterback, is going to throw. The fake is on it, he's got a first down to Stephen Bailey. Mike Jones made the tackle, and the Rams have won the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Rams Talk Radio with Derek C. Apollo and Michael Stewart. Well, it's been two days, two long days since the Los Angeles Rams dropped a 35-32, oh man, heartbreaker, heartbreaker in Buffalo. This is Derek C. Apollo, your host for Rams Talk Radio with the man, the myth, the legend, Former Rams defensive back Michael Stewart. Mike, man, how you doing? 
Hey, man, I'm doing great. Uh, man, it's kind of heating up back out here in California. It was 102 today, so I'm like, okay. Thought we're getting to some fall time, but uh, nevertheless, everything's good. DC, how about yourself? Doing all right. Just living the dream every single day. But I have a question for you, though. How's the fires? Because those temperatures going back up, I'd be a little concerned. Well, you know, the fires are still still burning in a number of areas, but uh, the smoke and air quality, at least here in the area, uh, mediate area of Bakersfield, has uh, gotten significantly better. So that's good. Yeah, keep those firefighters and, and everyone out there in prayers because, in our prayers, because, uh, yeah, the double on the heat from the fire and the heat from the heat uh, it's not very helpful. So we've actually been praying for some rain, but we'll see. Well, it's got to happen. And I would give you my rain right now. We had a, a dry spell here, and all of a sudden, all the moisture just dumped down, just did some massive, massive damage to, to, to some yards right here, including mine. You know how much a big lawn care nut I am. It's frustrating, to say the least. So I, I treat some rain with you. Want some rain? I'll give you some rain. I mean, hey man, we would love to. Absolutely, we could make a little switch, you know, a little rain for some heat. Uh, absolutely, uh, let's do it. I'd, I'd take a kill off some of the pole that's coming up already. But <laughs> getting away, being the lawn care nerd is not conducive to Rams football right now. They dropped thirty-five, thirty-two in Buffalo. I, I am still a bit stunned at how this one ended. But looking back, hindsight being twenty-twenty, it's not really surprising. I think. In our last show, um, well, I did the preview of the Rock Power Report. I called for the Rams to, to lose by three. And um, I thought it would be a little bit lower scoring game, to be honest with you. But the fact that it went into a shootout, the fact that it was it became what we thought it would be an offense versus offense battle, not not defenses here. It that's That's the problem for the Rams right now. The offense, we're going to talk about that. It's got a couple things that were – a bit unnerving, but the defense, man, you're a defensive guy. How are you feeling right now? Defensively, I'm a little concerned because, uh, again, we'll, I'm sure we'll hit on it a little bit later in regards to especially that last drive. But uh, we have to shore up some things on the defense. It just looks like, really, to be honest, uh, a team that has a new defensive scheme and new defense coordinator. Uh, I know Aaron Donald's a little bit on the record earlier in the year saying he's just going to do what he's asked, but it doesn't sound like he's that happy. But once again, he just does some things in a game that you go, that's not supposed to be able to be done. So that's always a bright spot, but it's like anything. You don't want to rely on somebody that plays that well has that uh, big of a uh, impact for your defense and somebody else needs to step up and make some plays as well. The defensively relying on Aaron Donald up front and I'm wondering where's everybody else, not just the front defensive line, but in your linebacking core, like you have to create pressure in non-blitz situations. And I think we knew the Rams were going to have to blitz this game. They had to get, had to get credit. I'm not credit. But geez, the word pressure on. They had to get pressure on Josh Allen. He still makes mistakes when you get pressure on him, and he showed that in this game, quite frankly. Yet, for the entire first half, the Rams 
didn't get pressure there and adjustments at halftime, more blitzing, more movement the line helped get those things going. But I'm worried about the pass rush. I'm worried about the interior of the line. I'm worried about the linebacking core. I'm not as concerned about the corners. I mean, there was a dominant receiver in this game. It was just a question of Josh Allen having the time to make plays, and that's what happened. He had time to make plays. He had time to um, basically to get free and find a receiver or get the ball out before he's taken to the ground in the first half, and, and the Rams just didn't play up the par. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're hitting on it uh, perfectly, D.C., and, this, and, you know, that's what I'm saying. When, when you kind of drill down a little bit more, uh, you got to figure out that, again, there's going to be growing pains. But these are the things that, that again, I question, I, you know, it hasn't really come out why Wade Phillips is gone. I mean, they could say, well, the defense should do this, the defense should do that. I, I get it, but you know, at the end of the day, it though saying the defense went championship. So everybody gets it. Everybody wants to have a stellar defense. And th- we can't take that away. But to your point, you have to figure out how to get pressure on a guy who has the skills that a Josh Allen has, again, when he's allowed to sit back there for three, four, five seconds. Uh, it doesn't matter who you are defensively. If a guy can sit back there that long, he's going to eventually find somebody that's open. And that's what they do. They they will find it. Um, and, of course, him having space just to move around the pocket and just make play is not conducive. You're talking about Josh Allen, who is not a speedster. He'll run with the football. He'll make a play. He'll run a lot, actually. But... What about Russell Wilson having time? The Rams have feasted on him in past years with the pass rush. You can give Russell Wilson time into a whole different ball and Kyler Murray for the Cardinals. You got two running quarterbacks in this division. You have to get to them. You cannot allow them just to make plays with their legs and their arms. And that's concerning for me. The Giants come in this week and that's an opportunity for them to feast on a weaker opponent, but it's also, you know, it's also a safe moment as well. They're not going to have to worry about rushing as much. They, they got to get a pass rush ready for these guys coming down the line who can run with the football, who can make plays in their feet. And until the Rams do that, they're going to be susceptible all year. I think they're better, Mike, than the nine and seven record that I know I predicted. I think was you were you nine and seven or ten and six? I forget. Yeah, I was nine and seven. Uh, again, maybe inch up to ten and six, but yeah, I, I think they're better than that. If they can at least become halfway decent at these other things, I mean, I just don't think they're again a lot of missed tackles in two out of three games. Just a ton of missed tackles. You can't have that. Yeah, no, you can't. And but remember, we talked about it. In my opinion, it's going to take this third and fourth game to be more like, okay, now we're getting our timing down on tackle and different things, and now guys are going to be more up to what we call full four-quarter game speed because now you've actually played four games, you know, once you get into next week. So that being said, uh, there's some great things that we can pull out of this game not so great things. Anytime you can score 
you know, 35 points offensively, you 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 can pretty much feel like you're going to probably win that game, which means you got to be able to stop somebody a little bit better than to give up 38. So, uh, again, output, uh, offensive output, pretty solid. Defensively, we got to be able to stop people a little bit better. And I'm actually happy with various aspects of the game. I think the secondary is playing very well. I mean, their their best receiver got shut down. Let's, let's look at these numbers real quick, just to kind of give you an idea of what we're talking about in terms of, the, of their guy. For the Bills, real quick on their receiving side, of the Bills, well, Josh Allen was 24-33 for 311 yards, four touchdowns and interception. Receiver, six Catches for 100 yards as Cole Beasley. I mean, that's not great, but it's no one. He's not running away. I can. He's not a guy who's going to burn you, right? Gabriel Davis four catches, 81 yards. Then Devin Singletary four catches, 50 yards. And Stephon Diggs, their big dog. That's their big dog. Four catches for 49 yards. I mean, you got a touchdown, but for the most part, four catches, 49 yards. We'll take that. We'll take that every day of the week. Yeah, yeah, you you will, but you know what is a little concerning is the average yards per catch. You know when you look and you break it down a little further, you know Beasley is averaging almost seventeen yards a crack. You know, G. Davis was averaging almost twenty one yards a, a catch. So those things, yeah, you look overall, yeah, yeah, you know, not giving up huge yards, but. If you're giving a guy, you know, 20 yards a grab, that's a lot of yardage when you put it all together. But a lot of that's game. pursuit but, underneath the middle, though. You know, that's where you're, that's, that is pursuit in the middle of the field where linebackers should be there to help. And we're seeing a lot of missed tackles. Again, missed tackles, bad angles, things you're saying should be getting hurt. I mean, you're, this is three weeks. You should start seeing. A fine-tuning at this point, shouldn't you? Oh, for sure. For sure. Like I said, you know, now now you've actually played other teams. But again, there's extra care, I would imagine, being taken even in practice because of all the injuries that's happened around the league. So again, I'm dating myself. Back in my day, we were going to have run drill at least once, maybe even twice a week. What is run drill? You get the linemen, the uh, D-line, O-line, running backs, and linebackers, and they always bring a safety over, so I'd be involved. So you're going to get in there, and it's basically like full speed, and it gets you in there. It gets the, the pads popping. You're able to tackle. And then, you know, obviously once you get to seven on and team, you're not going full speed in the sense of tackling the guy to the ground. In this COVID situation, you're probably doing – you're not doing that. And then you're doing less of overall tackling and grabbing because you got a few more guys banged up. Again, I think because without preseason, all those things that you have a lot more numbers during the preseason, so certain guys aren't playing as much. But when you have no preseason, your number ones are getting in there quick and early. So mm-hmm. that being said – uh, hopefully this next week and going forward, we'll see a lot better tackling. Better. And that I'm supposed to say 
be better. <laughs> yeah, better for sure. It you know, better and be better. I think what's concerning for me though is there's there's no and I, I mentioned this before, there's no really athletic guy at this point on the inside. What I'm saying is I think Kenny Young has got some speed to him. Kaiser is a guy who who rack up tackles, he'll run stop for you. But there's no one who's a combination of both speed and athleticism, a guy who can get sideline to sideline and plug the run at the same time. They don't have that kind of talent in the middle. And this is the downside to the draft strategy. For all the good things they do, and, and don't think I'm trashing the Rams by this, by saying this, for all the good things the Rams do in the draft, you can't cover everything in a draft. You can't fix everything in a draft. You can't go out there and make miracles happen at every single position. You can't have stars everywhere. And it seems like the Rams had to pick their poison here with what's going to struggle a bit, and that's going to be the linebacking core. They have to trust they're going to be able to develop these guys into something, but you're not going to have these super athletic guys who will be there and take command of the middle of the field. That's just not going to happen, at least not yet. Tell me if I'm wrong. Tell me if I'm off on this. But I just don't see you can't you can't have stars at every position, and that goes the same for every team in the league. You have a salary cap; it is as we've seen bendable, nearly breakable, but you can't break it. You you stop somewhere, and the Rams are kind of stuck with what they got. Well, you know, what you're hitting on, Derek, is, again, when you're talking about defense, you hear this term, ooh, they're front seven, front seven. Okay, well, who is the front seven? Typically, it's either three down linemen, four backers, or four down linemen, three backers. But really, in reality, it's really the front four are really representative of the front seven. If the front four... D linemen are dominant. That means your linebackers are running free, making tackles off of, you know, open misses. If they're not, that means guards and centers and tackles are able to double team a guy, get off a block, and then get up to the second level, which is linebacker area, and block that guy too. So what you're saying is you're absolutely correct in that I believe the Rams felt like if Aaron Donald, Brockers, uh, the guy they got from that, but again, you can't foresee injuries. They think, I believe, hey, we got the best D lineman in the game. That's a win for us. So that now equates to the, your front four are dominant. So what we're saying, what I think we're agreeing on, is that you have to have these other guys, whether it's the backers, whether it's the edge rushers, the ta- it's got to be someone. You know, I'm not going to point the finger all at Brockers, but uh, I was talking to someone yesterday, and I just remember seeing that guy two years at camp, and I go, this dude is huge. So to see that a guy that huge isn't like just being more dominant than even an Aaron Donald, that's sometimes like, man, you know, I, I don't get it. So we definitely need somebody else to step up. Lloyd, Joseph, somebody. Come on, let's go. Well, that's the thing I've, I've had to say about Michael Brockers for a long time. I, Michael Brockers was a first-round pick. Michael Brockers was expected to come in there and stop the run, develop some kind of pass game. And I just, I just look at it as, 
as good of a player as he's been in terms of a professional, he's a leader in there. Okay, he's a guy the Rams clearly wanted back. They nearly lost him, and I, I, I just it bothers me that he didn't develop into more. Like he should have developed into more. He had the he had the talent. There's a reason why he went where he went in the draft. There's a reason why the team actually let others go over the years and kept him. Okay? And it's frustrating to me. Like Donald needs help in there. And every once in a while Brockers will flash that talent you know is there. But he just should have been more. DC. How how fast does lightning happen? Super fast. <laughs> Super fast. So what you're saying is, yeah, that's how it happens. It's a flash. Whoa, what was that? Oh, that was Mike Brockers. And then it's like, okay, oh, it's no more lightning today. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We need to have that happen more on a regular basis. Come on, man. Thunder and lightning. Let Donald be thunder and you be lightning. Let's go. I mean, that's... I mean, then that's really what should be. Heck, when I coach football, that's what we call, that's what I call my ends. Um, in six band was thunder and lightning because that was the in setting the edge. That was the goal: thunder and lightning. Lightning would be the one who, who would run that edge, and thunder would be the one who would set the edge. So, I just when you say things like that, that brings me back in time. It also kind of reminds us that these are the guys who are supposed to be. The storm up front. They're the ones who are supposed to set the edge. They're the ones who are supposed to create the pressure. And they're, they're the ones... That's, that's a team kind of thing. You can't rely on one guy. You need more than one guy. And I know we, we're kind of ignoring Sebastian Joseph Day in there and Greg Gaines and whoever else. But listen, these guys weren't drafted to be stars either. I'm talking about first-round talent. And, if you know, Brockers should have been, should have been more. That's all I'm trying to say. But, Mike, you know, really quick here, because... For a three-point loss, there's a lot. Of, there was a lot of a lot of good to come out of this game, okay. And I, I do want to point them out because we're hammering the team for the, the flaws. Let's turn this about around and look at some of the good stuff. All right, um, really quick numbers for the Rams: Jerry Goff, twenty-three to thirty-two, three hundred twenty-one yards, two touchdowns. His one interception was 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 a rough one, but overall, a nice day from Jared Goff. And by the way, the league's noticing finally. He's I mean his numbers are up there across the league. Uh, Daryl Henderson, 20 carries, 114 yards, 5.7 yards carry there, a touchdown. That's, I think that's, you know, we've been waiting for this from him. Uh, Robert Woods, three carries for 30 yards. Malcolm Brown, seven for 19. Jerry Goff, two for four, a touchdown. Cooper Cup, nine catches, 107 yards, a touchdown. Robert Woods, five for 74, a touchdown. Josh Reynolds, four for 60. Tyler Higby, two for 40. Gerald Everett, two and 34. And then Henderson, one for six. Uh, the bummer of Van Jefferson, one target. So uh, we need to get him more in the game. Fumbles. We had one loss from Josh Reynolds. And John Johnson interception. Tackles. Taylor Rapp with seven. Troy Hill with eight. John Johnson with eight. Sacks. Aaron Donald had two. Leonard Floyd had one. Morgan Fox had one. Those are all in the second half, by the way. Just want to note that. And overall teams, you mentioned this. Rams had 478 total yards compared to Buffalo's 375. 
They led in passing yards, 311 to 274. They led in rushing yards, 167 to 101. Yards for play, 7.26.5. Buffalo wins this game, though, after blowing a 28-3 lead. 28-3 lead, Mike. I remember a game you played in where the Rams did come back from a 27-3 deficit. You remember this game in Tampa Bay? Help me out. 1992, you're down in Tampa Bay. You, you fall behind 27-3. Jim Everett leads you guys back to win 30-27. You forgot that? Yeah, yeah. I remember that now that you bring it up because I remember we ended up being stuck out there uh, for a couple extra hours because of weather or something. And uh, after I got a chance to visit with a friend for a while. So, yeah, that was kind of huge going across country. And, uh, you know, anytime you go all the way across and, and play a team, uh, and we were fortunate. I believe that was a later start. I think we started like four. So by the time the game got over, it was, it was a lot cooler. But, yeah, that was a fun game. And, you know, it's one of my favorite games still. I mean, the Rams, you guys, I mean, let's just be honest. You guys weren't very good that year. <laughs> no. Six and ten. But, right. you know, honestly, that was a year I thought the Rams were starting to make a move towards getting it back together again. There were so many signs in that 92 team that yeah, I don't know what happened in 93 that I think just fell apart. But I just remember thinking, this is the Rams I remember watching this is in 88 and 89. This was the exciting team. You know, so I guess that's how things, you know, years in history. Overall, the Rams yeah. fall behind at halftime 21 3. They're down 23 at one point. They come out running a, a basically a brand new game plan in the second half. And they proceed to shred the Bills. Force and turnovers, they're running the football, throwing the football, they're, they're making plays. Before we know it, they have come back from a 28 3 deficit to lead 32 28. Yes, sir. Okay, John Johnson's questionable interception. We've seen the replays on that. Questionable. There, um, I, I'm not sure on that one, but we'll talk about some weird calls here in a minute as well. I mean, overall, the Rams' offense completely shifted. And by the way, the defense did too. The defense, uh, they switched more of a blitz. They put pressure on Josh Allen. They created turnovers there. What's the big difference in that second half of the Rams? Yeah, it was just uh, uh, some iron wheel determination of, hey, you know, what typically happens when you go into halftime is like, look, guys, We've done everything that we could do bad first half. Let's go out and change it up second half. Let's just take it a defensive uh, series at a time, offensive series at a time, and let's just chip away at it. And that's what we saw. Chip away, chip away a score. Chip away, chip away another score. Chip away, chip away, stop them, make them punt. Chip away, chip away another score. And the next thing you know, the team you're playing is now going – are you serious? We're about to lose, you know, or again, you're playing NFL guys. So typically, you know, there could be a momentum swing here and there. But when a team starts coming back on you like that, your mind starts shifting into you got to be kidding me. Yet 
this game, it's gone. 35-32. The pass interference call for you, what... Is one is it was a pass? It was a pass interference call, legit or not? Well, it's going to be called because again, you're a defensive guy. They're typically going to call it. Uh, but I like what Coach McVay is says. You never want to come down to one single play, you know. But in that situation, it was like you know, guys just kind of pressing, but to the letter of the law, to the rule. You can't touch a guy beyond five yards. So in that sense, he was beyond five. But at the same time, it wasn't like the offensive guy wasn't pushing off. So one of the things you're taught as a defensive back is if he push, you push. He pull, you pull. You know, or at least I was taught that. So in that sense, he was just basically holding his ground. And you're basically seeing two guys. The dilemma is it's on fourth and eight, and your official, you just don't want to have to make that call. But my thing is, there was a third and, let me find it, there was a third and like 25, a third and 22, whatever it was, uh, on that same series that we gave up. And that's more... You know, like what? Like what happened? How did we give up that big of a play? So, yeah, it's just too bad it came down to that. Because uh, again, you stop them and game is over. I, I have to admit, I thought it was it was questionable in terms of the call itself. I keep looking back to what you were talking about earlier in terms of the Rams. Didn't do the job on third down. And how many times have we seen it late in the game, late in the fourth quarter, where teams got into this mode, they couldn't make stops on third down, they get down deep in the, in to the goal line here, and a flag flies for pass interference. How many times have we seen this over the years? Seriously. Yes. How many times have we seen the Rams get called for this over the years? I mean, since we're watching, this is our team. You got to stop guys early in the game. You can't live and die by the officials. And I think that's why we're saying more guys have to make plays. You have to figure the opposing offenses are saying, look, we're not going to let that Donald guy make a play. They're going to put two to three guys on him in those situations, which means, come on, guys other people, whoever's in, somebody has to beat a one-on-one block and go make a play. You know, again, maybe it's not a sack, but you got to hurry a guy, chase him out the pocket, make him throw on the run. You have to do something. You can't try to say, well, Aaron Donald, you go through three people and you make the play because you're the best dude out here. Yeah, he absolutely does that at times, but come on, people. If he's getting triple. Somebody has to get home. Looking ahead, though, you know, yeah. let's point out the pauses. Okay, we've hammered the negatives. Um, the pauses from this game for the Rams. I'm going to throw this out there right away. They're showing that even in games where they struggle, 
defensively, or they fall behind, they're able to switch gears on a dime and get back on the board. That's huge. A lot of teams can't do that. Uh, that oh, no doubt, no doubt. And 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 to the point of you go over a hundred yards with Daryl, we've been like, yes, this is what everybody's been talking about. This is what this guy can do. If you're not having to come from behind, maybe you're able to feed that beast a little bit more and put more points up, more time of possession, and things like that. So. That was very encouraging. And, you know, as much as we hammered the O-line last year, man, they're opening up some good holes and they're keeping guys off the quarterback. So uh, I, I think that we got a lot of those things uh, fixed up, fixed, and then improving. So that's absolutely encouraging. The idea to me that the Rams can be down, they can play a horrible game and a half, be down to a good team on the road and still work their way back into a game with their adjustments. And I'm saying this for a reason, because last year the Rams were hammered for their inability to adjust to what teams were doing to them defensively. And quite frankly, the Rams lost, in a lot of cases, the Baltimore game the Tampa game, the Dallas game, due to their inability to adjust as well defensively. We can point to those three games and, and we can see why Wade Phillips wasn't brought back. Now, I'm not saying I agree with that. I don't really, I mean, I don't know. But this year, we've seen them make adjustments when the time came and teams have been left scrambling. We've been back and forth on this. This game is a chess game. You you play in terms of the Rams last year was obviously a year where injuries happened, where mistakes were made. Opposing coaches, you know, move their pieces into place. And now Sean McVay and his staff have been forced to adjust. And to be honest, Mike, I'm liking the adjustments. They're in every game. They had no business being when they were down twenty one three and then twenty eight three, getting back in this game on the road in Buffalo against a, a strong Buffalo defense. It made Buffalo's defense no, weak. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And if you break it down a little bit further, you're talking about it's twenty eight to three into the third quarter, and so if you look at making adjustments. We gave up defensively 21 points in the first half, only 14 in the second, but really only seven because that fourth down call on the PI gave them an opportunity. So let's just say they maybe make a different call. That means the Ram defense came out second half and held the team down to only seven points, and then our offense just kind of exploded. So... Again, you look at some encouraging things. Uh, don't want to point out we're also playing with a lot of younger guys and new guys that are still getting used to things. So that's encouraging to know that, yes, the, the offense held it down, brought us back, put us in a situation to win. Uh, we fell a little short. Uh, and, again, you never want to just say, hey, man, that call was just brutal. But at the same time, if it goes the other way, we're sitting here talking about, man, what a comeback. 
So, absolutely, man. It's good stuff. Well, the Giants coming this weekend, and we'll have our Giants preview a little bit later this week, but how are you looking at this game? The Giants are struggling. They've lost their, their star running back. I mean, to me, it has the makings of a bloodbath all over. That's what the four hours did to him last weekend, but you never know. How are you looking at this game? Yeah, it's, it's like you're hitting on, and it's the NFL. We, we're looking at some teams that are over that thought would be in the hunt, and then we're looking at some teams that are just like doing very well. So uh, the thing is with the Giants and the Rams, it's, you know, it's always been this kind of, hmm, you know, I remember 89, we went back and played a seriously good offense and defensive Giant, and we came out with a win in a playoff game in their house. Should have never happened. Uh, and I'm sure there's all kind of other history. So for us to think like, hey, man, these guys are, you know, really – imploding in front of us again these guys that they're going to play they have some pride and you don't want a team like that to be the team that comes out and next thing you know you lost 35 to 14 because you thought it was going to be easy but just looking at how the Giants uh I'm like man some coaches gonna get let go here in a minute I well I think the Giants we're looking at the roster, looking at how the draft has been. I know Dave Gettleman there got took a lot of criticism, and we talked with Nick Azori, um from Bleeding Blue, and he's going to come back on this week and talk a little more. But he was, if I remember correctly, very happy with what the Giants were doing. And now, some injuries on the board, the defense is worse than I think he thought they would be. I think he's probably right to be concerned overall. My wonder is how the heck can you fail in New York? Like both the Giants and the Jets, these should be teams that are a draw for players. They should be a draw for coaches. This should be, I mean, it's if you want to make a name for yourself and the name not be in LA, New York's one of the next best bets for it. And yet they can't, build anything there other than two Super Bowl victories, which by the way is more than the Rams have. The Giants haven't done much of anything else in the last 25 years. They've had two years they got the Super Bowl one and besides that, what have they done? It just blows my mind. Well, I mean, this is a franchise that should be perennial winners. This is a legacy franchise. Yeah, you would think so, but what happens when you make some ill-fated moves in certain years, you have this hangover. Uh, but I always say, and and I'm surprised that the, the now charges are here, but the Rams have been back now. Uh, but when you live in these big-time cities, one of the biggest things, you have to be able to have guys who can avoid distractions from off the field. Now, should the Giants be uh, absolutely capitalizing on a COVID situation where hopefully guys aren't all over New York City? But when you're in a big city, the big A as it's known, uh, the other big media capital and everything else that comes with being in New York, there are a lot of distractions. So if you don't got guys serious about their football game, yeah, you can have games where guys are just going through the motion because they've been out in the streets. (laughs) So, I mean, 
when you come this Sunday, though, we're looking at the current New York Giants. I'm thinking they're going to run all over this team. They're going to just they're going to pound them, pound them, pound them. Maintain a short passing game. They're going to run at them. They're going to just try and wear them out, take the clock out, and take a nice big, you know, thumping victory. In games like this, well, surprises happen. Kimmett, what's the Giants game plan against this Rams team right now? Well, the one thing I think they're going to try to do is, again, they're going to try to exploit everyone that's not named Aaron Donald and probably not really throw at Jalen Ramsey. So other guys are going to have to step up, you know, and defensively it would seem like we should run all over them. We should throw all over them. Uh, But sometimes you go in there with that mindset. Again, when you're throwing the ball, that also gives the defense more opportunities to make a strip sack to, you know, ball tips up off of somebody's hand, and now you had an interception, and now you like next thing you know you have momentum on your side. But when you just look at it, the Giants are gonna—they should come in a little defeated. I mean, they're trying to tweak their practice squad. Who's worried about the practice squad? And you know, just early in the season, but they're trying to do that. They got a corner, you know, adding a rookie to try to come out here and play corner. So. Again, they're going to be trying to do all these changes, but just looking at it on paper, this should be a game we should win by at least double digits. They should, and I think they will. I think they'll be home, and I think one of the key things in this game is getting people out of the game as quickly as possible. Hopefully they come out and are sharp and they and they can get some of the, uh, some of the backups in and, and protect those starters. We're seeing still seeing too many injuries, man. Still seeing way too many injuries. By the oh, way, wow. Jordan Fuller, we, we found out, I think, in the loss how valuable Jordan Fuller's been. We didn't even mention this yet in the podcast. Yes. Jordan Fuller, if we had any questions about his role as an NFL player, we found out on Sunday. The Rams were getting exposed left and right with blown assignments, mm-hmm. and a lot of that came with the with a lack of Jordan Fuller in the game. I think we're seeing now why he beat out Taylor Rapp for the job, and that's not a slight on Taylor Rapp, but, I, I mean, at this point in his career, I think it's safe to say he's a better football player right now than Taylor Rapp is. Yeah, one of the tough things in your second year, uh, the expectation is you from rookie to second year to really make that leap. Uh, and sometimes you do, and then sometimes you don't. Uh, and you have windows of opportunity where a guy like Jordan can come in whether you're playing on emotion, whether you're just, you know, playing harder so you end up making more plays, uh, whatever it is, sometimes that, that door opportunity is left slightly open and you get in there and, and you get a taste of it and you're like, yeah, I like this. So to your point, there was a lot, seemed like it was going on, uh, and you go, well, who, what's the difference? Well, Jordan out, Taylor's in. Now, again, I don't know what they were playing or how they are calling stuff. Maybe Taylor was making his plays, but yeah, it was very noticeable with Fuller out. All right, so all this in mind, folks, tune in later this week. We're going to have a Giants preview for you. We're going to talk with Nicky Story again and see what his thoughts are on this game. See, are we right? I mean, I'm thinking double digit victory, but the Rams have also in the past they've played down to opponents on occasion. So hopefully, we don't see that. We'll see what Nick thinks about that, and uh, of course. Um, we'll be back with everything else 
L.A. Rams. Any final thoughts today, Mike? No, man, it's just uh, good to see at the end of the day, the Rams did a ton of good things, put up a lot of points. Uh, Obviously, we talked about the defense, and we just need some guys to step up. But, man, looking for them to have a great bounce-back win against the Giants. That's what I'm hoping for. Let's go for three and one. Let's see how it happens. Folks, you can follow us on Twitter at TalkRams. Follow me on Twitter at DC Paul. You can follow Mike at one do 23 Don't forget RamsTalk.net with some great work by our writers and the other podcasts on the network is Butting Heads. I'll be back this Friday with Steve coming back from vacation. and get their thoughts on last weekend's loss and this weekend's big game against the Giants. And it's big for us. I think the Rams lose this game. It changes everything. So, all that said... We'll be back midweek with our Giants preview. We're out of here. We're out. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.